awesome. Summer is right around the corner. Yeah? You guys excited for summer break? Yeah! You guys ready? Dude, it's almost time for things. It's almost time for, it's almost time for camp. It's almost time for summer games. It's almost time for fine arts nationals if you qualify. So please qualify because we could go to Orlando together and I'll hang out and it'll be a great time. Oh, it's going to be dope. So make sure you make plans for this summer. It's going to be awesome. Shh. Hey, so you guys have your Bibles with you? No. No, maybe so. Yes, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, hopefully you do. Hopefully you have your hardcover Bibles, man. That's the way to do it. That's the way we're doing it for, for just now so that you're not, you know, on your phones and texting and all that stuff. Um, absolutely. If you don't have a Bible, you can read it from right here. Tristan Friedman calls it the Sky Bible. That's what you can read from. Uh, it's awesome. So anyway, we're going to be, if you have your Bibles and you like following along and you like reading, because I could, I, like I said, I could hear the whole conversation. So please keep conversation until after, like we're hanging out for another hour. So we can do that, right? Cool. For the rest of the time? Yeah. Small groups are pretty soon too, so it's not even like you're not going to be talking. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. You're like, well, last week we were in 2 Chronicles and that was further, so now we're going back. Yeah, we, we kind of are. But see, the cool thing about these books in the Old Testament, because that's where this book is, is a lot of these books are happening at the same time. So that's why we're jumping a little bit back and going forward and then coming back and doing all that. A lot of this stuff is happening at the same time. So 1 Kings chapter 18. Before we even get into anything, before we even get into it, let me just say this is my favorite Bible story like of all time. Seriously, I, I love this story. So you guys are in for a treat. You can tell everybody who's not here that they missed something because I love this story. But before we read this story, I got a, I got a question for you. Right. <laughs> He's like, I'm ready. Hey, so did um, any of you guys in uh, at the, like, I think elementary school now, okay? Maybe you still have this debate, but if you do, I feel like it's weirder as you get older. I, I feel like it's more of like a little kid debate, like in elementary school. But like, have you ever had the debate of like whose dad is like the best dad at like lunch? No. Whose mom is the best mom? Whose grandparents are the best grandparent? Like any of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whoever like your, your guardian or parent, whoever you're with at the house. You guys remember having those debates in, in elementary school? Did you guys ever have those? Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, my... My dad is, like, tougher than your dad, and my dad is better looking, and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, just all this random stuff, I feel like. We used to have that when I was in elementary school. I'm, like, an eight-, nine-year-old, and it was always the conversation of, my dad's tougher than your dad. My dad has bigger muscles than your dad. My dad has a better beard. He's tougher. He's meaner. He's all this stuff, right? Like, that was our conversation. <clears throat> so he could defend you. So he can be scary, especially if you're, anyway. So, so check this out. Could you imagine, though, if that was a real thing? Like, obviously, they're not like, our dads are not really having a tournament for who's the best, right? But could you imagine? Like, could you imagine if it was like, okay, it is the 20, uh, let's see, 2006, this is when I was in elementary school, the 2006 toughest dad tournament at Sutton Elementary School. Watch 
your dad bare knuckle box every other dad to see who's going to be the champion in the eyes of eight-year-olds. Oh yes. Woo! Yeah, Who wants to see your dad bare knuckle box other dads? I would do that. <laughs> You're like, I want to see it. Anyway, it's weird. That conversation, though, it, 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 it's something that we hold on to, especially as young people, uh, like, like young, 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 young kids, right? Because we idolize and we love our parents, our grandparents, our guardians, the people who are in the house, the people who are raising us. We love them so much, and we want to defend them, and, and, and we think that they're the best. Who thinks they have the best grandparent, the best guardian, the best parent, the best mom, the best dad? Like, okay, well, you're wrong because it's mine. So I'm just <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, hey, before we get shh, before we get into uh, what we're going to read, there's a little bit of context to figure out what is going on, because if I just read it, it's not going to make sense. You're going to be like, what's popping off and why is it happening and all this stuff? So you guys listening? Everybody paying attention? Phones away? Everybody conversations? Stopped for right now? All right, cool. So there's this guy, and his name is Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. 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 And he speaks, he speaks to the king of Israel. Now, Israel, we've talked about, they're kind of having ups and downs, right? Every now and then they'll get a good king who, like, follows God, but every now and then after that happens, there's a God who, they, who doesn't follow Yahweh, our God, right? And he, they, they walk away, and then they sometimes worship other gods or do crazy things, right? And so remember we talked a few weeks back about Samuel and how Samuel, he was the first person to hold the office of what? Talks about that trivia for you. Starts with a P. Mm-hmm. And prophets, when the kings were established, prophets were kind of the, um, prophets were kind of the, the check on uh, kings, right? So like in con in U.S. government, we have checks and balances and nobody can be really, you know, over anybody else, you know. Prophets were kind of a check. Now, they weren't like an equal to a king, but they were kind of a check on the king, right? They would come up and they would say, hey, especially if they were wicked, they would say, hey, God doesn't want you to do this and God is telling me to do this and he's actually giving me authority to tell you, right? Now, the king could do two things. Anybody want to take a guess of what they are? Well, they could. They could either accept it or not accept it. They could listen or they could throw him out and be like, I don't want to listen to you. And so Elijah is talking to the king. It's Ahab. His name's Ahab. Everybody say Ahab. So Elijah's talking to Ahab and he says, hey, there's a drought in Israel and it's not going to stop until you quit worshiping other gods. Lowercase g. Stop worshiping false gods and God will bring rain. And guess what? He gets a little cocky already with Ahab, and he says, God has given me the ability to speak and, and, and cause it to rain or to keep the drought going, right? So, so he's like, hey, listen, I'm the person who you need to, I'm the person who you need to talk to about this stuff. I'm the person who you need to run this by, and you need to tell me that you're going to tear down these other gods. Otherwise, it's not going to rain. And in that time, in that period, in that culture, you needed rain, right? Yeah. So he doesn't listen, and he actually throws Elijah out, and Elijah's kind of on his own for a little bit until he meets this guy named Obadiah. Everybody say Obadiah. Obadiah. Okay, so he's, at the, he's the head of the palace of Ahab at the king, 
and he recognizes him and he says, hey, you need to come back. Like maybe he'll finally listen and maybe you guys can actually talk to him and maybe he'll listen. Okay, so you need to come back. So Elijah comes back. Elijah comes back and Ahab is like, listen, I'm not doing this. My God, Baal, Baal is kind of what other people call it, but Baal is an easier uh, translation for, for you to say. So he says, no, 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 we're, we're going to keep worshiping this God, and we're going uh, to keep just doing our thing, and we don't need to actually turn away. And he's like, okay, but you're acting in disobedience. Elijah says, okay, but like it's not going to rain, and there's not going to be anything that can stop it, because Yahweh is real, our God is true, and Baal is not. And he goes, okay, sure. So Elijah and Ahab get into this heated discussion, and they finally get to a spot where they're like, fine, let's go have a, 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 a show-off. Let's go have a showdown. You guys like boxing matches, yeah. UFC and mixed martial arts, all that stuff. It's kind of fun when fight night hits and all that stuff. So that's pretty much what's going to happen. So Ahab says, okay, we're going to put the prophets of Baal, the people who speak for Baal, the people who are, are basically the, the prophets of, the, uh, of Baal. It's like 300, 700. Uh, 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 like it's a crazy amount that are there. And he says, okay, we're going we're gonna to call on Baal to bring fire down on an altar. And it's going to be prepared the same way. We're, we're both going to do it. And we're going to call on Baal, and you're going to call on Yahweh, our God. And whichever one answers with fire, that's going to be the one who, who, uh, who's the real God. So let's just read uh, real quickly about what actually happens and, and what's going on. So this is what it says in chapter 18, verse 20. It says, so Ahab sent word throughout Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel, and Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets, but Baal has 450 prophets. There's your answer. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets Choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and put it on the, wool, uh, on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then when you call on the name of your God, I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. It says he is God. And then all the people said, what you say is good. So they're like, bet, let's do this thing. We can, we, we can show down right now. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. And so they took the bull given to them and they prepared it. This is a really kind of crazy, but it, it, it's really funny to me. Again, if you don't find humor in the Bible, I'm sorry, but it's definitely here. We're about to read. It's one of the funniest things. So it says, so they, given, uh, they took the bull that was given to them and prepared it, and then they called on the name of Baal and from morning to noon, like from the daybreak to noon. That's how long they're calling on his name. 
They said, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response and no one answered. And they danced around the altar that they made. Mm -hmm. Check it out. It gets even crazier. This is, this is what I think is hilarious. Verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Perhaps he's, he's thinking. Perhaps he's busy. Maybe he's traveling. Right? Spring break. Like, maybe he's just gone. He says, and this is what is hilarious. He says, maybe, maybe he's sleeping and he has to be awoken up. Hey, God, please wake up. Like, he's like, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's, he's down. He's, so, so they shouted louder. It says, and they slashed themselves with swords as it was their custom until blood floats. So they're actually getting to a point where they're starting to cut themselves with swords, like, deeply. And it gets to a point where, where they're not even really dancing with enthusiasm anymore. They're kind of just limping around. Because, like, if you cut yourself, it would probably hurt, and you probably would be losing a lot of blood, and it would probably be really nasty, and you'd get lightheaded and need a nap. It says, midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophecy until the time, uh, until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response, no one answered, and no one paid attention. I love... I love this story already. Um, like I said, it's just funny hearing him just sit back and talk trash about other gods. He's like, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's, maybe he's in the bathroom. That's what some translations would say. Maybe he's... And Elijah, and Elijah on the other side, he's like... Exactly. What? So check this out. The, the reason... So Elijah is a prophet, right? Yeah. So would you say Elijah, being the prophet, has seen God work miracles before? Yes. yes. Absolutely. If you read uh, just a few chapters before chapter 18, you can see all of the, the different ways that God has his hand on Elijah and the way he shows up. So let me just ask you, if you are in a place, if you're in a spot where uh, God is working and moving in your life and he's constantly showing up and he's constantly providing for you and he's constantly working miracles, are you going to be confident in God? Absolutely. And that's exactly why Elijah was saying some of the stuff that he says. I think that the first thing that we can grab from this and it's in this section is our confidence grows when God has worked before. You see, when, when the prophets of Baal were dancing, the, the way that that translates in the actual uh, Hebrew, it, it translates as limping. So they're not dancing in the way that you would think, right? They're not two-stepping around the altar. They're just limping around without kind of purpose, without reason or motivation. Like, they, they're, they're so frantic in how they're worshiping Baal, how they're calling on his name. And Elijah, he asked them if he was asleep. He asked them if he was in deep thought. And all that did was make them go, okay, well, we just got to call harder. We just got to call on Baal more. I want you to understand that just because people in, in your life or the people around you act like they have all the answers and act like they know the, the way uh, to, to success, the way to find happiness, the way to find joy, all this stuff, just because they seem like they have the answers and they seem like they're ze uh, zealous. You guys know what zealous is? It's like when you have a lot of passion for things, right? You can't deny that these prophets of Baal were passionate, right? Anybody who cuts themselves 
over worshiping a God is probably pretty passionate about that God. But does that mean that they were right? No. So as you're walking around and, and people offer you all sorts of answers and offer you all this stuff, lean in on the confidence that you have gotten and received through God working in your life. Think about the things that God has done in your life and let that give you the confidence. Don't let somebody else in what they're doing, right? Because Baal seems like a pretty powerful God when you would hear it from somebody who's passionate about Baal, right? Seems like it would be a really good thing to follow or a really good thing to try or the right answer. But just because they were passionate and just because they were showing all this enthusiasm doesn't mean that they were any less right. You see, the cool thing about Elijah taunting them, he's not just being, you know, a jerk. What he, he was actually in a place where he's like, listen, I know God's going to show up, so I'm going to sit back here like I did at the elementary school and say, my dad's tougher than your dad, and I know he's tougher. So I'm not even going to try to argue or try to fight. Or, you ever argued with somebody? Yes. Have you ever argued? <laughs> yes, yes, I've totally. You ever argued? Have you ever argued with somebody that is completely dead wrong, but like they just continue to dig their, their point like further? Yeah. You're like, you're so wrong. Like, stop being wrong. Like, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. That's kind of what Elijah is doing here. He's like, just stop. Just stop. Just, just quit. You see, when God performs miracles and when God works and speaks and moves in our lives, our faith grows, and that faith growth produces a confidence, and then we're able to be sensitive to him and listen to what he wants for us. Does that make sense? And then if we're able to do that, we're able to speak into other people's lives, and we're able to, to, to be a witness and be somebody who God can use to actually bring glory to himself, and we're actually going to read that right now. So it's midday. They've been there since morning. And Elijah hasn't even asked God to move. All he's doing is standing there and watching. So let's see what happens in verse 30. It says, Then Elijah said to the people, Come here to me. And they all came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, from whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, hold on, large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he arranged it, the wood and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. This is where it gets weird. He says to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Hmm. Do you guys remember what they were asking for God to do? in fire? Do you guys camp ever? If it rains or stuff gets doused with water, especially wood, do you have fire? No. So why is, this just makes no sense. Hold on. So he says, so, so they, they pour the, the four large jars and then he says in 34, do it again. And they did it again. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So that's a lot of water that he asked them to fill up. At the time, 
At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you're turning their hearts back again. It says, then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up the water that was in the trench. <laughs> That's a great fire. That's a great fire. It says, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, they fell down, and they cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There's two more things here, really quick, about this story that I love. First off, I love the fact that Elijah would sit back and just talk trash. I think it's hilarious. I think it's so funny. If you can talk trash to other people um, in the name of the Lord, do it. You have the biblical precedent. If somebody is like, God is whack and he's this and he's that, and you are like putting God to the test like Elijah is here, talk all the trash you need to because you should be confident in God. Don't be a jerk though. Like, don't just go up and be like, God loves you. Your, your face is stupid. It's like, that's not, that's not productive anywhere. That's not productive anywhere. <clears throat> Here's the cool thing about God. <laughs> In this story, God meets his people on their terms. He's God, right? So what, would he, what purpose would he have to meet us on our terms? Notice it doesn't say that he, God meets his people on his terms. God meets his people on their terms, on our terms. Think about the times that you've tested God or put him in a spot where you're asking things from him. Does God really need to give you a, a rainy day to prove to you that you are like, you are supposed to take a job or you're supposed to move or you're supposed, like, who's ever done that? God, if, if you really want me to have a car, would you please just place a car here and do this and make a car drive by? Like, have you ever asked him to do weird stuff like that? Have you ever seen him actually listen and provide that thing, though? It happens all the time. It happens right here. God has no reason to make himself known to his people, right? If they really got it, if they were really understanding that God was who he said he was, all they would have had to do is go and look outside and see the beautiful creation that he made. All they would have had to do is listen to the prophet, listen to Elijah and just go, oh yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, that's, like it was right in front of them the entire time. But it got to a point, and it got so bad in their, in their disobedience and their disrespect of God that they said, no, 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 we need fire to come down. We need it to come down, and we need it to burn up the altar. And, and it said not only did it burn up the altar, but it burned up the stones. It burned up everything around it. It drank up all the water, like, like all of it. When, when there is a need for God to reveal himself, he goes by, he goes to any means necessary to make sure that people are convinced that, that he is who he says he is. God will not be taunted. 
God will not sit back and, and let his name be driven through the mud. He won't. Especially if you're at your lunchroom table or you're at your family dinner, maybe, maybe you don't have a family member who's, who's saved and all they want to do is ridicule and mock you. Maybe they want to ridicule and mock your faith. Guess what? That argument and that conversation is not that your parent or your friend like hates you and wants to put you down. That's between them and God. That's not between you. Notice how Elijah didn't take offense personally. It wasn't like, oh man, why do they not like me? It was, man, why are they not listening to God? Why are they not hearing him and hearing his voice? Why are they not paying attention? God knows what people need to be convinced that he is the God that he says he is. In this case, he knew that he would have had to come down in fire to prove that he was the God of Israel. And he desired to fulfill that need for them. He doesn't meet our needs to validate himself, yet he does it anyway. When, when I got baptized, uh, who, who here has been baptized before? Yeah, I know I asked this before, but cool. If you haven't, man, sign up. Uh, come find me after service. If you'd like to get baptized, man, I would love to talk to you about it because it's an awesome thing. My baptism story is kind of cool. It's the one time I ever actually heard God's voice, like legit. And even after, and even after uh, I heard him, I'm like, okay, but I still need this, and I still need this, and please, would you just confirm this, and have, the, you know, would you just please do this and do this? And guess what? He did it. Every single thing that I asked, every single confirmation that I needed from him, he provided for it. Did he need to do that for me to get baptized? No, no, no. I should have been, I, I, well, I mean, I was 13, so I got baptized in a good time, but like, Eventually, I would have needed to get baptized whether I heard from him or not or whether he answered my signs uh, and what I was asking for him. But he chose to let me hear his voice distinctly so I would be satisfied. He, he showed up in all of those ways to confirm it for me so that I would be satisfied. He doesn't have to do that, but he wants to. That speaks to how much God wants to be a part of your life, how much he wants to show up on your behalf, how much he wants to fight your battles and, and help you with those things. And here's the other thing that might be confusing. Uh, there's no more to read, but in this story, and this is kind of where I want to end before we break off into discussion. But if you want to go to the next slide, because I have it written different here. But the more handicaps that God places on himself, the more he's revealed. Anybody know what placing a handicap means? No. It's like, okay, if... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say this because I actually fell off the stage. But if I were to say, okay, I want to jump off the stage, I can do that. Go ahead and say, no, you can't even do that, Josh. Like, whatever. Okay, so, so if I say I want to jump off this stage, I can do that and I can do it fine. But if I say I want to do like a full-on obstacle course before I jump off the stage and there's going to be like shark-infested waters right here, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, right? That's a handicap. If you're placing, if there's something in your, your way, an obstacle, that's a handicap. Sometimes, sometimes God will place those things there, not so that they would stop us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. Do you think Elijah just thought it would be fun to dunk the altar, or do you think he heard, that he heard from God to, to do it? probably heard from God, 
to do that. Why? Because God didn't want to just bring fire down, right? He didn't want to just show up. He wanted to make it so that it, was, it had to be God, right? He wanted to make sure that it wasn't like, well, it was a dry uh, altar and there was some, some dry, uh, you know, leaves on it and blah, blah, you know, all this stuff and people could explain it away. No, 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 he wanted it soaking wet so that when he brought the fire and it burned everything up that nobody could go away and go, well, it's probably the lightning and the different things and the way that it comes, like, and have a scientific explanation for it. Elijah knew that he could call on God and get a response despite the handicap. Did Elijah ever lose his confidence when they were dousing the altar? No, he never did. Sometimes God will place handicaps and, and, and will place handicaps on himself, make the situation look like it's going to be tougher, just so that when he shows up and shows out in your life, it's that much more recognizable, right? Because anybody could explain like a just random happening away. If God is moving, but it's really subtle, everybody, there, there are so many people who would just explain it away, right? You'd be like, oh, well, it's not really what's going on. But God wants to, to show up in, in a way that is undeniable. When I was in college, and this is where we'll, we'll kind of close and then we'll go into small groups before we end with worship. But when I was in, when I was in college, uh, I was in a really, really dark spot in my like junior and senior year. By dark spot, I mean like my mental health was completely depleted. I was... I was literally, no joke, I was going to, you can talk to my college friends, I was going to bed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Legit. I would shut my door, and I didn't have a roommate at the time, so I could literally shut my door and just be gone for two days. I remember just going through so much depression, so much anxiety, so much pain in my heart and in my head, and I could not get away from it. But then as soon as God began to work, as soon as I began to, to cope with it and, and get with people and, and really be released of that and, and actually step in freedom and victory, let me tell you, just, just quick side note, if you're dealing with depression or anxiety, there's, don't stay there. And don't let a therapist or a counselor tell you that like, oh, this is what you are and this is who you are and whatever. You can deal with that stuff, absolutely, that stuff is real, but that's not what defines you, and that's not your purpose, that's not who you are, okay? Just want you guys to know that real quick. But I was sitting there, and it was, it was so amazing to be able to finally step and walk in freedom. And on the back end of that, coming out of this, I look at that and I go, oh, that's why it was so bad. That's why my parents were like wondering if my chemicals were imbalanced and they were wanting to put me on medication and they were, that's why. Because God wanted to show up and show out and do something incredible in me so that I could say, hey, listen, I was never on any medication. I was only in th uh, therapy, but, but counseling for a little bit. Like I, I never had that thing happen to me. God had my, had his hand over me. I think that that is, is so awesome to know that sometimes you have to, it's like a slingshot. David and Goliath, right? It's not how they used to. Anyway, that's a 
other side to it. But a, a slingshot, right? If you're wanting to be accurate and you're wanting to, to do something and, and have a slingshot go really hard and, and really fast, right? You have to do what before you do anything else? You have to pull it super far back. And the farther back it goes, the further it goes forward. Sometimes that's what God will do on himself and in us. Is he'll draw us back and draw us back and draw us back until it's finally time to go, okay. I think that we can rest knowing that God is who he says he is. And if you're struggling to believe God or you're struggling to believe that he is the one true God, seeing stories like this, like him coming through with, for Elijah can be really, really powerful. If you guys would just bow your heads and close your eyes really quick before we get into small groups. Like Israel, sometimes we can try to serve two masters. Let me tell you, there's always going to be one. If you're trying to serve God and the world, if you're trying to serve two masters like they were here, because they never really let go of God. They just added other gods. Sometimes we can find ourselves in that way. We can serve two masters, and if one of them won't show, we should try to look at why we serve them. If you're asking for the world to show up and you're asking for, for God to show up and the world doesn't show up and the world doesn't have answers, there's probably a reason. So tonight, if you would just say, listen, I don't want to be in a spot where I'm serving the world and I'm serving God and I don't want to be in a spot where I'm scared to step up to the challenges. If you have somebody who is challenging you because of your faith, lean in on God. Don't be disrespectful. Don't be crazy. But lean in on God and watch how he shows up in that situation. Don't fight that battle yourself. You're not going to win it. Tonight, if you would just pray this prayer with me, and then we'll go into small groups and kind of just discuss this a little more. If you guys would just repeat after me, if you would say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice for me. Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you care for me. I thank you that you are willing to show up in my life. Lord, if I have served two masters, if I have given the world a part of myself, and I've given you a part of myself, I want to ask for forgiveness. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to be with you. And I want to fight with you. Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. And I promise that from this day forward, I will serve you alone. If you guys would just say amen with me. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen. These battles.